This is the Four Quarters Podcast, your home court for college hoops and recruiting. Hello, and welcome to the latest edition of the Four Quarters Podcast. I'm Adam Zagoria from zagsblog.com. As always, joined by my co-host and running buddy, Josh Newman. Joshy, the July live period has begun. We both hit the gyms this weekend, and now we're back at the beach. Uh, How was your weekend? It was good. It was busy. Uh, I think I texted you on Saturday morning. I think by the time we got to Saturday morning, the gym was full of just bleary-eyed, yawning coaches. But that is July for you. Yeah, it's a lot of travel for the coaches, the kids, and the reporters. I did four days of Peach Jam and a day in Philly. and We'll get into that later. A quick programming note. Check out the latest episode of the Knicks Blog Podcast. Anthony Donahue and Moke Hamilton had Steph Marbury on the show. They talked about his past and got his thoughts on Phil Jackson and the current Knicks. A lot of good stuff. Definitely look that one up. It's available with all of SMY.TV's original podcasts as part of the SMY.TV audio network, which you can find on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. As for the Four Quarters podcast, Josh and I have a big show today. We have NC State coach Mark Gottfried. We have Andy Borman of the New York Rens, who got his team to the quarterfinals of the Peach Jam. And then Josh and I will get into uh, drilling down a little bit on the Peach Jam and the Philadelphia Elevate Hoops event. So in the first quarter, we're going to welcome in NC State coach Mark Gottfried. Coach, welcome to the show. Great to be on. Hey, thanks for giving us a couple minutes, Coach. Um, you know, I saw you this weekend. It's obviously the first weekend of the live period. I saw you both in Philly and Peach Jam. It's obviously a bleary-eyed couple of days for the coaches and the kids and the reporters. You know, can you just kind of give folks a sense of what July is like for coaches with the travel? You're going back and forth from Philly to the Peach Jam. And, and what are you looking to accomplish during this period? Well, you know, it's a busy time, obviously, because, you know, you got to try to cover a lot of ground and you only have a few days to do it. And the NCAA and uh, the coaches associations, we've kind of agreed on a schedule that you know, Wednesday at 5 o'clock to Sunday at 5 o'clock. So you've got, you know, three and a half days or so to try to put your eyes on as many guys. There's some kids that we watch that we've already seen and we've made a decision on that we would, you know, like to offer them a scholarship and have them in our program. And there's other kids where you're still trying to evaluate and trying to figure out, uh, you know, if uh, they fit. And, and then there's young kids. You know, you're trying to watch as many as the younger kids, uh, rising 10th graders or 9th graders or 11th graders to see if you can, you know, get a good feel for those guys as well. So it's a, it's packed in there. Uh, we try to get as many places as you can go, and it's tiresome, but it's part of the turf. It's part of the job. Coach, there's been a lot of discussion, obviously, about AAU basketball and the strengths and weaknesses of it. How, you know, effective can you are you able to evaluate a kid in an AAU game for an hour and a half or two hours or whatever? You know, I think it's hard if you think, Adam, what the NBA does. You know, they watch kids play all year. They bring guys in and work them out. They sit down and have interviews. Uh, They really get to know a guy uh, before they draft him, and they still make mistakes. You know, what we're trying to do a lot of times as coaches is watch a guy play, you know, in a, a, you know, AAU traveling team type situation and make a decision. And at at that point, commit you know, a scholarship to somebody. So it's, it's you know, you, you look around and see the number of guys that transfer every year in college basketball, and sometimes you, you have to ask yourself, are, are we, you know, sometimes you make decisions too fast, but it, it's just the way that it's set up, and it's the way that we have to do it. But uh, it does make it tricky 
make it a little bit harder sometimes to always make sure you're doing the right thing or making the best choice. What's um, what's the biggest change you've seen in recruiting, Mark, in the past few years? I mean, obviously, social media is, uh, plays a huge role now. you got kids tweeting out their commitments and their lists. You have reporters like me out there taking coaches of pictures of coaches watching kids. Uh, you know, what? how do you as a coach deal with that, and what do you see as the biggest changes recently? Well, it just means that everything, you know, can be instantaneous. You know, not everybody, not every kid posts everything, but a lot of them do. You know, they post uh, who's offered and who they like or what's going on or, you know, pictures. And so I think as a coach for all of us, you know, you have to be in tune with that. You know, all of my coaches, my staff, you know, we try to follow all the guys on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook, whatever it might be. We try to, uh, you know, make sure that you always got as much information as possible. Uh, because even for us sometimes in an evaluation period, the other part of it is that, you know, you got to truly find out if, if a, a student athlete is interested in you and if they have interest in your school. Otherwise, you know, we spend a lot of time and, and money, uh, you know, and energy trying to chase a guy around that really doesn't have an interest in us anyway. So, you know, you, you got to try to learn as much as possible. The, the uh, social media has actually somewhat helped that a little bit. You can learn a little bit more. Um, I like the fact that our rules allow us to text kids a lot more during July and find out where they're going to be and their schedules and what they're thinking and those type things. I think that helps uh, us get to know them better, helps them get to know us better, helps us get to know their schedule better, where they're going to be, where they're going to play next, because kids change their minds sometimes, and their teams may change their minds on where they're going to play. So all that's been pretty good, I think. Mark, when you look at your team going into next season, you know you, you had a pretty big offseason. Uh, Omer Yurts have been committed. Uh, Ted Capita committed. Uh, Markel Johnson, um, a, a guy uh, like um, uh, Dennis Smith Jr. is going to debut for you next winter. Just how excited are you just to coach this group of kids coming in, Mark? I'm really excited. And this will be my sixth year already here at NC State. And every year is different. But this year, uh, I'm looking forward to it. You know, I keep trying to figure out in my mind the right – kind of way to describe us but you know we're we're the team that uh we're the kind of the ifs you know if uh which i think he will be dennis smith is healthy and back to form you know if terry henderson you know comes back from an injury where he missed all last year you know if you know ted Capita and markel and omir they're ready to contribute from day one you know we we just got a lot of ifs you know and if they all come together we have a chance to be really good and uh, a really good team uh, but we're kind of that team sitting here right now that you just don't know for sure how all those different things are going to play out and how they're all going to kind of uh, materialize to see how good we can become and how full and complete and healthy we're going to become. And just to kind of stay on this topic, when you look at the other teams in the ACC, a lot of these teams have some big front lines, teams like Duke, uh, teams like Syracuse. To to find some real success in the ACC just how, how crucial is it to have a quality front line? Well, I think it helps. You know, we've got, uh, you know, our guy uh, Abdul Malik Abu coming back. He had 15 double-doubles, and he's, you know, he's the most proven guy we have. Now, uh, you know, B.J. Anya is a shot blocker, and he's done a nice job, but we felt that we needed to add pieces. Uh, and, you know, last year we played without Leonard Freeman, uh, who really, although he's not a great scorer and, and those type things, when we went to the Sweet 16 the year before and had beaten Villanova, uh, Leonard was a key guy for us, defensively, rebounding, smart, plays like Tristan Thompson, uh, just just a good player. I mean, we re- didn't have him all last year, 
and he made red shirt this year. Uh, we had to put another steel rod down his shin, and so that kind of is another if uh, on our team. But we do. We felt like we needed to add some guys. We did, and now we just got to see if we can kind of hurry up and get him ready to play in this league pretty quickly. Um, a lot's been made about uh, the NBA draft and that process and the new rules that allow guys to go out, uh, you know, declare, work out for teams, get correct information, and then potentially come back to school. Um, you mentioned uh, Abdul Malik Abu uh, and BJ Anya. Those are two guys that, you know, did test the draft orders, you know, got the information, opted to come back. Just what do you think of, of you know, these new draft rules and, and just how does this impact you guys as a coaching staff, not knowing whether or not guys will come or go? Yeah, I'm not sure I'm a big fan of the way this one, you know, I think there needs to be a lot of tweaks to what we did this year. I think the most alarming thing for me was uh, there was more underclassmen that stayed in the draft and went undrafted than any year in the history uh, of modern history. That's alarming. That's not good. Now, on one hand, you know, you say, well, it's good for a young guy to go work out for a team. I think what young guys have to remember, what players have to remember, sometimes you go work out for a team, and you're excited because you get to put on some NBA socks and NBA practice gear and you go work out, but you also can convince a team indirectly you're not good enough, and you may never reshape their opinion, and they may come to the point and say, meh, I don't like him. And that workout that you were excited about, what you didn't realize, you just cost yourself an opportunity with that team at some point, whether it's that year or the next year even. So I'm not sure that's a great thing. I want players to have every opportunity to be pros. Uh, I'm a big fan of guys being able to go out of high school. Uh, I don't think LeBron James and Kobe Bryant and Kevin Garnett, Jermaine O'Neal, I don't think they needed to go to to college. so I'm okay with that. Uh, and then college basketball survived, and it will always survive. So I think we still need to look at it and find out the best ways to go about this. Uh, the way it was this year, I'm not sure. I'm not sure at the end of the day when the dust settled, it got as much done as we all think it might have. Hey, Mark, it's Adam again. Last couple questions. We talked uh, this weekend about the ACC tournament moving to up here by us in Brooklyn this year. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on that as a coach, and do you think your fan base will travel up here to the big city for those games? Well, I think the Wolfpack fan base will come. Uh, maybe not as many, obviously, as in Greensboro, but we're going to have a lot of people there. We've got an amazing fan base, and they're going to do it. They're going to come no matter where we play. Um, it's going to be interesting to see, uh, quite honestly, uh, exactly how this thing plays itself out. Uh, you've just got so many teams uh, Wake Forest, Clemson, Georgia Tech, NC State, Duke, Carolina, Miami, Florida State, that it's so far uh, very expensive uh, for fans to come spend four or five days in the city. A little bit different than in Greensboro or Charlotte or even last year in D.C. So I think everybody is kind of taking the approach, you know, let's wait and see. Let's see what happens as far as tickets being sold and how the tournament atmosphere is. But uh, I do like, I always like being in, uh, New York, Brooklyn, that whole thing for me is a lot of fun. So we'll, we'll have to wait and see how that one actually plays itself out. Well, one thing's for sure. You won't be eating at Denny's in Brooklyn. You and I can go out to Peter Lucas Steakhouse <laughs> in Brooklyn if you're ready for that. You guys are terrible. Now, there's, there are better restaurants than that down here. Don't give me that. <laughs> if you're ready for the big time, we're going to go get a steak at Smith & Molenski's <laughs> or Peter Luger's, Coach. I hear you. I'm in. All right, my friend, thanks for your time, and uh, we'll see you later in July, and good luck next season. All right, guys, thank you. 
Josh, interesting answer from Mark Godfrey there in the NBA draft saying that he's not really in favor of this current system. Uh, what's your take on that, considering, you know, he got two guys back in Malik and B.J. Anya? You know, he's not alone in thinking that it's not a perfect system. I don't think anybody thinks that these new rules are perfect. Me, personally, I think it's an improvement. But his answer was interesting because, as you said, he had two guys leave, test the waters. They got the correct information. And in the end, those two kids made the right choice. And they are coming back to NC State. So it's interesting to to hear Mark Gottfried say what he said, but he's not wrong. Yeah, and they have a big-time front line now with those two they guys, do. plus yeah. Omer Yurtsevin, who's you know seven feet tall, and Ted Capita, who's close to seven feet, too. But as you said, in that league, you got to have the bigs. Right. We're going to move on now to the second quarter, and our friend Andy Borman, the head coach of the New York Rens on the Nike EYBL circuit. Andy, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, guys. Always a pleasure, my friend. So I was down there at the Peach Jam with you guys. You had a great run to the quarterfinals, ended up losing to Team Penny. Um, the PSA Cardinals end up losing to Mocan in the final after spending all their energy, it seemed like, in the semifinal. You know, now that you've had a couple days to kind of wind down, what, what's your take on the Peach Jam for your team and, and just how tough is that whole league? Um, I think, you know, starting with how tough the league is, I think it's incredibly tough. I think that, um, I mean, there there were teams that didn't even make it out of pool play that are really good and multiple high major and multiple ranked kids. I mean, you're talking about 70-plus of the top 100 kids playing Nike. Um, so it's every game is a war. You know, for how my team did, I, I'm happy. I mean, I'm greedy. I think we could have gone further. We had... You know, we, we had Team Penny. You know, we, we're down two with three and a half minutes to go, and we missed four layups and an open three. You know, that wins the game. I think when you make it to the playoff stage, if you look at the last eight teams standing, I think any of them could have won it. It's just a matter of, you know, who has a little bit of that luck, who has a little bit of the ball bouncing their way. Right. Um, you know, so – it's a war. It's great. Yeah, I mean, I was there for the whole quarter semis and finals, and obviously the New York teams, you know, PSA gets to the final. You guys get to the quarters. Uh, nice representation by New York. I think, as I said, PSA, you know, they had to come back from 20 points down in the semifinal, and I think they just kind of – it was emotionally too much for them in the final physically, and uh, Trey Young and Michael Porter Jr. were just too much in the final yesterday. But, you know, just talk about how the, how New York kind of showed out here with the two teams. Yeah, well, we had two of the eight, you know, out of, you know, out of the eight teams that, that could have won it all. We, we had we had two of them. Um, and in my opinion, you look at the rosters, you look at our roster and the talent we have, you look at PSA's roster and the talent that they have, and I'd put it up against any city, any area, any region in the country. Um, and then I think we have winners, which I think is more important than talent. You know, you have kids that know how to win. I mean, with PGM, you're talking about playing, if you win it all, you're playing eight games in four days. So that's why I talk about the ball bouncing the right way. You know, these right, kids right. were exhausted, yeah. exhausted. So, you know, 
I think it's a great showing for New York. I, I think New York is unquestionably back. And Andy, within your program specifically, you you know you've got a bunch of high major kids who really played well over the weekend. One in particular, um, Hamadou Diallo. You know he had John Calipari, Mike Shashevsky, uh, Jim Beheim, Kevin Ollie, and just all these heavyweight programs watching him down at Peach Jam. Um, what is the latest on him emerging from last week? I, I think it's honestly, I think it's status quo. You know, like the kid going into Peace Jam, he had all those guys, you know, as is. You know, he's he's not an unknown commodity. Um, you know, so it's not like he burst on the scene. Um, I think with Hamadou, you know, he's down in Houston right now with USA Basketball. Right. So, you know, he's got that for the next two weeks. And then I think he gets a chance to come back and decompress and really start to kind of analyze, you know, fit and roster and all that. But he's a smart kid. He'll make the right choice. He'll make the right choice for him. And just to touch on a few of your other kids, you know, again, other kids playing for you, they are also known commodities. Kids like Jordan Tucker, Jordan, uh, Jordan uh, Nuara, uh, Jose yeah, Alvarado, Nuara. excuse me, um, mm-hmm. Jose Alvarado, who seems to have caught the attention of Steve Peichel and Rutgers. Is there anything new, you know, with some of these other kids right now, Andy? You know what? I think I'm going to have a much better grasp in about two days. Um, okay. I mean, I, I can tell you right now that I already spoke um, to Syracuse this morning about Jose. Um, I spoke to Memphis yesterday about both of the Jordans. And I'm sure that I have four voicemails while I'm on the phone with you guys. Um, you know, it's, look, we, we got a lot of kids that are wide open with their recruitment and they can play. Um, you know, I know Northwestern and Marquette are both making Jordan Nawara a big time priority. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, our kids are open. Um, you know, our, our kids are excited to be recruited and I think they're, you know, still in the middle of it. Hey, Andy, it's Adam. I talked to, um, you know, you and Dwayne about this this weekend. But, you know, for some of the lesser, you know, not the big time names, but guys like Gregory Calixt and Noah Morgan and Marco Morenci, the Mount Vernon guys, how much does this how much does this help them as players and recruiting wise to play alongside Hamadou and Jordan Tucker and these guys in an environment where all those coaches are seeing them? I think it helps them a lot. I mean, uh, I, I talked to Dayton about Greg yesterday. Um, I mean, these, these kids show these kids show two things. They show that, you know, one, they can play with, you know, extremely talented kids. And I think the second thing is they show that they, they can play against them. I think a great example is our team final game. I mean, against team final, we had already qualified. And so I, you know, like I started Jake Clores at the point, and I, I didn't play Jose Alvarado. Jake Clores played 28 minutes against the EYBL Peace Jam team and played terrific. You know, so you're talking about an Ivy League kid right there showing that he can play with and against the best. You know, so that's just one example. Um, Greg Calixte was absolutely incredible against P.J. Washington and Isaiah Stokes. You know, that, that's a kid that has shown he can play with and against the best. 
Yeah, I like his game. He played in our SMY Invitational this year. He's got got a good body and a nice uh, upside there. Yeah, I mean, hey, look, Marco Morency and Noah Morgan, we're playing CP3 and we're down 10 with six minutes to go. They played the entire last six minutes. We came back and won the game. You know, you're as good as every man on your roster. You know, so that's why I say New York's back. It's not just about the headliners. we, We got kids that can play one through ten. Yep. All right. Well, listen, congratulations on a great um, summer. And I know you guys uh, you know, got more events coming up. So we'll, show you, we'll see you down the road in July. And uh, best of luck to you and your guys, Andy. Thank you. All right, Josh. I know we're going to get into the Peach Jam more here in the third quarter. But, uh, you know, it was just really something else seeing so much star power in terms of the coaches. You know, like we said, in one gym, Bayheim, Ali, Coach K, you know, John Calipari, Bill Self. And, you know, it is exciting as a New York reporter that these guys are there to watch, um, you know, some of the New York players like Hamadou Diallo, Mohamed Bamba, Kwade Green. So, you know, obviously the two New York teams came up short of winning a championship, but, you know, getting to the quarterfinals and the finals respectively, I think uh, reinforces Andy's point that, you know, there's a lot of talent in New York. And and just with that said, I mean, we don't have to tell people about the high level of talent in the EYBL, but I think it says something that, you know, a team with Hamadou Diallo and Jordan Tucker, Jordan Wara and Jose Alvarado and other D1 kids could only get to the quarterfinals. I think that says a lot about the talent on the Nike circuit right now. Yeah, no doubt. That league is super loaded. And, you yeah. know, remember the Wrens were on the uh, Adidas circuit last year and they won the Adidas gauntlet a year ago with Raleigh Hawkins and Mustafa Heron. And then they made the move to Nike. Yes, sir. All right. Moving on to the third quarter. We're going to cover the Peach Jam a little bit. Josh, you want to get us started? I will. Uh, so as we've been talking about, you were down in uh, South Carolina all week for the Peach Jam. Uh, at the end of the event, you and our friend Tom Konchowski came out with your all Peach Jam teams, which are on zagsblog.com right now. Uh, what can you tell us about a few of the guys that made your list, Adam? Well, Josh, you know, Tom and I have been putting the all Peach Jam together teams together now for a couple of years. Um, you know, our first team was consisted of DeAndre Ayton, seven-footer from Cal Supreme, who, you know, might end up being the number one pick in 2018 and was, you know, pretty impressive this week. Our co-MVPs of the tournament were Trey Young, the point guard from Mocan Elite, and Michael Porter Jr., small forward from Mocan Elite. They combined for 61 in a blowout of PSA Cardinals yesterday in the final and were just very impressive. Quade Green, the point guard from the PSA Cardinals, who, by the way, was wearing a Duke T-shirt on the airplane last night. Uh, <laughs> also made the first team and then Gary Trent Jr. and Brian Bowen, a couple wing players who were very impressive. You know, I think coming out of there, um, you could make the case that Michael Porter Jr. is the best player in the class of 2017. I mean, DeAndre Ayton, you know, looks like he could step into an NBA game and play center right now. And, um, you know, he's certainly a great player. But I'll tell you what, Michael Porter Jr. was very, very impressive yesterday in a gym with, you know, three or four Kentucky coaches and, you know, of course, the whole Washington staff was there, and I wrote about that on Zag's blog. You know, several coaches told me they just – it's pretty much a fait accompli that he's going to Washington where his father coaches. Um, and now Washington's also trying to get Trey Young, the point guard, as are Oklahoma and Kansas and Kentucky and a few other schools. But, uh, you know, those two guys were our, were our co-MVPs for sure. So let me ask you this. So aside from the obvious names, obvi- you know, the obvious guys that you just named – 
Can you give me two or three guys who impressed you that are not, you know, Bomba, Quade, Green, Porter, Young? Are there some guys that are a little under the radar that, you know, that really help themselves? Well, a couple guys we mentioned before with um, Andy, you know, I like those New York Rens guys. Uh, Jordan Wara, he's a 6'7", 6'8", you know, shooter for goes to school up in Buffalo. And I think we put him, uh, I'm not sure if you made our honorable mention team. I got to check here. Yeah, he did. Um, you know, I really like his game. He's just got a really nice stroke. And I think he helped himself there doing that in front of guys like, you know, Bayheim and Ali. Um, you know, Deron Russell, the 5'10 point guard from Team Final, made our second team. He's being recruited by a lot of schools, including Seton Hall and some of the local schools. Um, and uh, this kid, Alex Lomax, a six foot guard from Team Penny, was the only 2018 kid to make our teams. So, you know, he also deserves a lot of credit for getting his team to the semifinals. So now, you know, in terms of July and the recruiting calendar, as we sit here now on July 11th, it's a couple of days off until the next live period comes. But some of these high-level guys, guys like Mo Bamba, Quade Green, uh, Michael Porter, Trey Young, and several others are, uh, are now going down to Houston for USA under 18, uh, training they're going to the FIBA Americas uh late next week um was there any talk down there about you know the grind going right from EYBL right to USA was there any talk about that down there well it's funny because you know I was on my flight home last night uh yes <coughs> PSA Cardinals were on the flight you know Muhammad Bamba and Quade Green and you know those guys had to come home first of all they had to squeeze into a tiny airplane and then they had to you know come home today and turn around and go to Houston, you know, the same day for Bamba and Quade and also Hamadou Diallo is doing that, although he wasn't in the final. So, you know, Quade looked pretty tired on the plane and I talked to him a little bit and he's got to make that turnaround. But they also said they're going to use the motivation of losing in the finals of Peach Jam going forward, you know, into USA basketball to try to win a gold medal. Um, they are making cuts at USA basketball this week. I believe they're cutting from 18 to 12 and then the team goes to Chile next week. So it'll certainly be interesting to uh, watch how that team develops. All right, we're going to move on now to the fourth quarter and talk about the uh, Elevate Hoops event in Philadelphia that I was at for one day and Josh was at for a couple of days. Uh, Josh Naz Reed went down with an injury there over the weekend. Uh, what can you tell us about his status? Yeah, it was a bit of a scary moment on Saturday. He went up for a dunk. He went down in a heap. Uh, he wasn't getting up. Uh, trainer came running out. You know, Sports U guys came running out. Uh, they helped him to his feet. They helped him to the bench. Uh, you know, they iced up the left knee. Um, the game ended. He was he he was putting pressure on the leg. Uh, you know, rumor mongering was you know rampant at Philly U that <clears throat> excuse me that he had torn his ACL, etc. Everyone's a doctor on Twitter per usual. Uh -huh. um, so I reported this morning that an MRI on his left knee came back negative. Uh, there is no damage to the ligament and he is expected to see a physical therapist today. So if you're sports, you, and if you're, you know, Roseau Catholic head coach, Dave Boff, it seems like that they avoided what could have been a real disaster. And uh, he's not as hurt as one's feared. So that's good news for a lot of people. Yeah, they dodged a bullet there. I mean, you know, there's obviously a lot of criticism of summer basketball anyway. And if Dave Boff had lost his best player, you know, for the year to a summer injury, I don't think he would have been too happy. No. Um, you know, we talk a lot about this Fab Five from Sports U program. They have offers from 
Rutgers, Seton Hall, UConn. You talked to a couple of those guys this weekend. What do they have to say about the status of that? You know, a lot of these kids, I talked to Javon Quinterly. I talked to Lewis King. Um, you know, the recruitment is fluid. You know, they're, you know, they're not cutting. They have no plans to cut anytime soon. Uh, new offers are coming in. I know that Lewis King has been contacted by UNC. Uh, Javon Quinterly, you know, has been contacted by Arizona and all these high major schools. So uh, none of those kids are really in any rush to make any decisions or cut any lists or commit to schools. And uh, I did I did approach the topic of, you know, what you've written, what others have written about this giant uh, package deal with this Fab Five with uh, Quinterly, Lewis King, Naz Reed, uh, Atiba Taylor, and help me, who's the fifth? I can't think of it at this moment. Um, doesn't really matter. So uh, Seton Hall has offered all five. St. John's has offered all five. Uh, it seems like these kids are open to the possibility, but uh, nothing is set in stone. All right, and um, lastly, Trevon Duval, one of the top point guards in 2017, was there yesterday. He had Jay Wright, Mark Turgeon among those watching him. He told our Dennis Chambers that uh, basically that Villanova and Maryland are on him on a daily. He may cut his list in August, and he's still um, looking for a high school next year, which is very interesting. He's not going to go back to API, and there's some thought that he might come back to one of the New Jersey schools. Uh, what can you tell us about that? The biggest thing that Trevon Duval said is exactly what Dennis Chambers wrote, is that he's also looking for a high school. And what that means is that finally an adult has stepped in and made a decision and is not going to allow this kid to fall victim to, you know, what other kids have gone through, like Emmanuel Moutier and Micah Seaborn and, you know, Carvier Shepard and Jordan Mickey. The kid is leaving API, which is pretty much under the prime prep umbrella, and they're going to make sure that this kid is eligible so it it's good to see that this kid apparently is not going to fall victim to problems that other kids have had out there all right that's a wrap uh we're done for the day remember to check out zagsblog.com for much more coverage from the peach jam and all your recruiting news throughout the summer remember to check out sny.tv's original podcasts including the episode of the Knicks blog podcast with special guest stefan marbury just subscribe to the SMY.TV audio network on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. That's the SMY.TV audio network. Please make sure to rate and review the channel. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Adam Zagoria and at Joshua underscore Newman. Thanks for listening and subscribing. We are out. This has been the Four Quarters Podcast, part of the SMY.TV audio network.